Live from the Las Vegas Christmas Day Parade, this is the award-winning stamp show here today, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Scott. This is Mark. This is Denny. This is Lloyd. We are all off celebrating Christmas, and we miss you all, but to give you all something special, we are re-gifting this episode of Stamp Show here today. Please enjoy this and your holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. All right. Mm, that's my root beer. All you got went, uh. to, all you got went to sandwich. Oh. <laughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> well, you can steal mine. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I refer to those as carrying charges. Oh, okay. Oh, you know something? Uh, oh, we, cash? We got like three likes on last week's podcast. Only three? Must be a record for our seventeen thousand listens we get every month. Well, no, yeah, but, but it was, but it was only, uh, you know, like three and a half minutes long. <laughs> so I'm wondering if they oh, liked, yeah. if they liked it because it was only three and a half minutes. Uh, ah, yeah. Okay, I'm. I have a complaint already. Uh oh, Dawn doesn't sing. Ever. Uh, you read ahead in the script. I did read ahead in the script. Dawn does not sing. I lip sync happy birthday, and you're welcome. Okay, when we get to there, well, why don't I just tap in a happy birthday song? I'll steal one from the internet. You know, that's like not under public domain, that technically we have to give a person like 50 cents or something? Yes. Well, we'll put it aside, put it in the bank, and when they come and ask for it, we'll give it to Right. So whoever owns that song, give us a phone call. We'll send you your 50 cents. Uh-huh. If it's even that much. Mm. Are we ready? Um, yeah. Tom, are you recording? For six minutes now. Ooh, he, he six minutes. He's been recording. I'll edit this down so they don't have to listen to six minutes of silence. There wasn't Whatever you si- want to do. There was not six minutes of silence. Yeah, you've been talking. It's oh. been it's been light banter. Oh, okay. Oh, ready for a countdown? I am. Five, four, three, two, one. Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a planet from Poland, but none from Sudan. or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Welcome to Stamp Show here today, episode 115. I'm Cash. Well, to be frank, I would have to change my name. I'm Scott. This is Tom. 
I'm sorry. Did you have something to say? <laughs> well, I was going to make a comment on what Cash said, but no, go ahead. Sometimes it's just better to ignore it, right? Well, I wasn't going to read what he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> and I'm your host, Don. Happy birthday. This is our second birthday for Stamp Show here today. So what'd you get us? Nothing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, my dear friend. Happy birthday to you. Next. In the last podcast, we invited all listeners to pull up Water Bear or Tardigrade, spelled T-A-R-D-I-G-R-A-D-E, on the YouTubes, and tell us on Facebook if it should be our mascot. With about 17,000 listens, we got no votes. The chicken wins due to indifference? No, no, it does not. We need to give the listeners more time to vote. It's been like two weeks. I don't care. Let's take a vote right here. Chicken. Viking chicken. Viking chicken. I stood by Viking chicken when we opened it up for a vote, so. (laughs) (sighs) I never thought tardigrade was an option. Oh, okay. Fine. I I think Tom's done. (laughs) I think so, too. (laughs) Producer Tom looks tired. I'm not a producer. I'm sorry, Engineer Tom looks tired. Now it's time for the Stamp Show Here Today Museum Contribution. This week we have the United States 1994 29-cent Legends of the West sheet of 20 stamps. Scott number 2869. The sheet includes the stamps of Bat Masterson and Wyatt Earp, but we will discuss someone who wasn't on the sheet but should be. We have been harping on the last two weeks about black history stamps, But I think Bass Reeves should have been on this sheet since he wasn't. And maybe next year's Black History, this should definitely be in the running. I know the post office listens to the podcast because they uh, forward it. But this guy was really interesting. And oh, by the way, I found out Canada, Britain, and the United States all have Black History. That's why uh, the Canadian Black History stamp was issued. So there's three countries that have Black History Months. Ah, well, in regards to Bass Reeves, look him up on YouTube. There's a great video there. It's about 40 minutes long, I think. And it is just, I mean, this guy was a badass. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Total stamp worthy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Bass Reeves was born a slave in Arkansas in 1838. He was named after his grandfather, Bass Washington, with an E at the end. Bass, with no E at the end, was a slave of Arkansas State Legislator William Steele Reeves, hence the last name. He served William Reeves well and was elevated to whatever a high-ranking slave was called. Manservant. Bass did, though, run away and fled north into the Indian Territory. He lived with the Cherokee, Seminole, and Creek Indians, learning their languages. He was ultimately freed by the 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery in 1865. Yeah, he fled north from Arkansas. So he didn't go to like Massachusetts north. He went north of Arkansas, which was where the Indian lands were. Well, that was during the Civil War, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
He was then recruited and initially assigned as a deputy U.S. Marshal for the Western District of Arkansas. He was then recruited and initially assigned as a deputy U.S. Marshal for the Western District of Arkansas, which had responsibility also for the Indian Territory. Having the ability to speak the Indian languages was a definite plus. Bass was the first black deputy to serve west of the Mississippi River. Bass worked for 32 years as a federal peace officer in the Indian Territory. Bass brought in some of the most dangerous criminals of the time, but was never wounded despite having his hat and belt shot off on separate occasions. How does that happen? <laughs> how do you how do you get your belt shut off without at least getting grazed? I, that is a story in itself. I want to know the physics of how that happened. Well, there was another one where he his the horses. Sheer luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I the, mean, the, the same way you get shot in the Bible. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that famous or story. Or in the yeah. badge. Yeah. Or I mean, it's just dumb luck. Well. He had he also had the reins shot of his horse shot out of his hand, and I'm thinking, how do you shoot reins out of a person's hand? You aim for the hand and miss. Yeah. <laughs> He's had the reins shot off, the hat shot off, the belt shot off, and didn't get even grazed. Yep, that just it's like no. Well, you get your hat shot off, you kind of duck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a great story. Uh, there was a problem with him being a black man arresting white people. And one crook said, a black badge don't mean anything to me. He then raised his gun and Bass shot him. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe most of the warrants he served were dead or alive. It could well and, be. And to his credit, he brought all but a small handful in alive. Oh, there was a lot of people who they heard Bass Reeves was after them. And he said, holy crap, I, I, I surrender. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Because he always, always got who he was after. Yeah, this guy wa- he absolutely deserves to be on a stamp, whether it's Legends of the West or Black History or something, this guy deserves a stamp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was kind of loud. Guns are... Oh, yeah, they are, aren't they? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's been a while since I've been to the range. And the first five minutes, I'm usually flinching. It's hilarious. <laughs> In addition to being a marksman with a rifle and pistol, Reeves developed superior detective skills during his long career. When he retired in 1907, Bass claimed to have arrested over 3,000 felons. He is said to have shot and killed 14 outlaws to defend his own life. When Oklahoma became a state in 1907, Bass Reeves, then 68, became an officer of the Muskogee Police Department. He served for two years before he became ill and had to retire. How has this guy not been on a stamp? Mm -hmm. Oh, just because I think nobody has seen it. Because all you have to do is read this guy's story and go, "This, uh, this guy's story would make a great movie. Oh. oh, no kidding. And you know, you should get Eddie Murphy to play him because he kind of looks like Eddie Murphy with a handlebar mustache. Yeah, he kind of does. 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 He? Yeah. <laughs> he does. Oh, well, but- well, in theory, they may have already made a movie because it's long been rumored that he is who the Lone Ranger is based off of. Oh, really? Really? Yep. Yeah, they, they, they shouldn't have made him a white guy. They didn't make him a black guy because... Well, you I know, mean, that was back in the... Well, in the 50s, 30s, 60s, 40s. 40s. Yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah but if you, you don't... If you do some more reading, they, the, a lot of people believe that 
the stories of the Lone Ranger were based on the life of Bass Reeves. Hmm. Oh, we need to research that. So definitely stamp worthy. Oh, without question. Well, imagine it just a well. Look he from was a in, stamp he was design. In, he was in the Indian territories. Yeah. The you Lone could... Ranger had an Indian partner, which it is believed that Bass did, hmm. and the Lone Ranger wore a black mask. That's true. Well, mm. it's not. So, so it's it might have like been an had, homage. It's not like they had brightly colored uniforms to wear back then. <laughs> <laughs> No, but the black mask, I mean. No, but imagine the stamp. Okay, now, you know, we had the last two black history stamps. One of them was a drawing from the 1800s, which looked like crud. The other one was an old lady wearing pearls. Now, Still have no idea what you, why she was honored. Yeah, but this one you could have, like, an you could have a guy who absolutely will look like a lawman Maybe even having, you know, some Indian territory map next to him or something like that. You could go to town on this and do a great stamp. Oh, I think just take a take of the photograph of him from the eighteen nineties. No, but that's what the post office does. There's you know, it, at a certain point you could. You could have him dressed up like a lawman and stuff, but you could do so much better too. I mean, take a lead from Canada. Which, by the way, uh, did you guys mail in your uh, ballots? Because March 1st was your last day to put in your ballots for the best stamps. Oh, darn. I missed it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I voted for the Columbia River stamp. That, that was my vote for the best. It is really pretty. Yeah. Just totally off the subject. Imagine yourself sitting there looking out over that river. Mm-hmm. I was there. You took the picture? and also just so that the civil war buffs don't oh there's a good lead in i like it yeah the monitor and the merrimack were fighting either today or yesterday one or the other and of course the monitor and the merrimack never actually fought it was the monitor and the virginia the confederates had captured the ship merrimack turned it into the virginia so the Monitor in the Virginia fought yesterday or today. I forget which day it was. Anyway. So we get emails. So summon the answer squad. Remember when people would write about the Book of Secrets just to get mentioned? It, that hasn't happened for a while. No, we, we don't. I don't think we get those sort of emails anymore. Mm. I kind of stopped writing them in. But if you want us to give you a shout out or something, write and say, hey, give me a shout out. We'll do it. Anyway, what's the real email? The real email? The real email. We have one from Kim. Who writes, here are a few of the stack of stamps I have, approximately 50 or more sheets total. Let me know what you think. Know that you can't see, but she sends a picture of sheets of U.S. stamps from the 1980s. Yeah, so she was asking, you know, what these are worth. And I thought it was kind of interesting discussing where postage is and where stamp collecting is. Well, I would think anything from... Oh, the 1930s or late 30s, early 40s, 
on if it's in if it hasn't been stored and it's not in pristine condition it's probably not anything but postage yeah um if it's in you know post office fresh condition then you're then you can look at centering the three cent four cent era there's a lot of people that collect those either as sheets or they buy the sheets to go through and try and find graded examples so yeah, I uh, see a lot of three cent graded stuff. I don't see much four cent graded stuff. Uh, there's a little bit, mm. um, and I mean, just like you know, ten years ago, prexies weren't sought after. Yeah, they're highly sought after now. Yeah, as graded items. So it's um, it, it's a rolling kind of thing. Yeah, if you eventually had... it'll catch up, but. Uh, it, there's just so much material out there right now that people are going to focus on the on the older the oldest material that they can get for the least amount of money first. Mm. And uh, not only that, uh, as far as grading goes, once you get into the '80s and you get into the multicolor presses and things like that, it actually becomes harder to find well-centered material because yeah. you also have to have good <clears throat> color registration. Yeah. So. Um, and I think a lot of people haven't even considered that yet. And so there's not a lot of activity. And at the current time, most of that stuff is still considered postage. Yeah. So I, I would say postage starts from probably the 60s or 70s on up. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. Because I told her that uh, generally speaking, dealers will give you about half face. Airmail sheets are better. Well, yeah. Oh, and if you have like five cent, six cent stamps, they don't even want it because you got to put right They're, twelve of them on a, an envelope to send something. Right. So those those My a lot of times off will, ten off. Those those will bring less. Uh, once you start getting into the fifteen, eighteen, twenty cent range, that that's when it actually becomes usable postage because the number of stamps you need to pay the first class rate actually drops. To only two or three stamps, and then that becomes workable for yeah. most for most people that use it as postage. Yeah, twenty fives, I guess, are the best. Two twenty fives. Right now, twenty fives yeah. are good. Yeah, so I told her that it would be like half. But you know, something like thirty-two cent stamps. You know, you put an eighteen cent stamp with that. Yeah. So in that respect, yeah. You know, any combination where you can get two stamps is is good uh three stamps is okay but most people don't want it's too much work somewhere between two and three stamps is where it becomes too much work i don't know i just bought a bunch of 13 so i put four of them on so i put 52 cents stamp 52 cents on for a 49 cent yeah or don't even care or a strip of five on a 10 cent stamp yeah, yeah. you know depending on the size of the stamp that's workable yeah five four is kind of my <laughs> maximum so if it was less than thirteen cents, I'd kind of pass on it, even if it was ten cents. Well, but a lot of times you put a higher denomination on there, and then you stick a strip of four on yeah. of a low denomination. Well, the ones that I hate are the letters, you know, H stamps. <laughs> so I have a whole bunch of thirty-two cent H stamps, but you can't. It's hard to use a thirty-two cent stamp when you have you know other postage, and you can't use it for overseas supposedly. Supposedly, I wonder if they changed that rule. I don't know, but yeah. usually when I when I do that, I'll write like I'll write like H equals thirty two, yeah, or H H equals point three two, um, just so that the the clerk doesn't have to 
go look it up. Yeah, because there's so many countries now that don't put denominations in, like Britain with their first and second. Well, I think a lot of times that they don't even look now because there are so many non-denominated stamps yeah. that they just don't. Uh, they just let it go right through the mail, and realistically, you could probably just use the H stamp and it would go through the mail because no, who's gonna who's gonna check the letter, yeah. the letter carrier at, at the delivery point. Yeah. That's going to be the first per- time that somebody actually handles your letter anyway. That, that is a good point, though. I should just write down H equals 32. Get them out of here. I have way too much postage. I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm like everybody, though. We, ha- we all have too much postage. I know where you can dump it for real cheap. <laughs> Scott's office. Scott's office. <laughs> You'd have to make room under, under the pile of uh, postage that I yeah. have. Yeah. <laughs> Our next email is from Dan, who writes, Hello, I am 29 years old, three months into the hobby, and have been enjoying your show. I have a question for you all who have been collecting for years. What are some ways to avoid being a stamp hoarder versus a stamp collector? Uh-oh. No such thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Scott. That's not true. They're, they're attacking you here. Oh, man. I want to focus on my Scott International albums, A to C, 1971 and older, and that's it. However, I have boxes of U.S. FDCs, artcraft caches, boxes of old French postcards with stamps, mostly from the 1980s. French postcards or postcards from France? Old French postcards. Oh, okay. That's what I see. <laughs> and lots of old albums with various amounts of stamps in them. I've even begun ripping off the stamps from any new mail I receive, even though I don't actually own an album for new stamps. Is this common among stamp collectors? Am I doing the hobby wrong? Thank you. Well, first of all, you're not doing the hobby wrong. And if you have stuff that you don't want, box it up and get rid of it. Uh, Donate it, sell it, put it in an auction, move it out. Yeah, like we you're s- not going to become a hoarder. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, like I said, we said before, the only way to collect stamps wrong is to collect them in a way that destroys them. Now, as far as ripping your stamps off the new mail, rip them off, leave them on the envelope, let the next the guy who's going to collect them decide what he wants to do with it. Um, but either way, every uh, just periodically again, close the box and get rid of it. And start a new one. Is that what you do, Scott? No. <laughs> I close the box and I start a new one, but I forget to get rid of the old one. <laughs> oh, oops. So, yes, I am definitely a hoarder. Mm. I, I do sell items just far slower than uh, I acquire them. Yeah, I collect a lot of stuff, but every so often I will go in. And this is really cool for anybody out there who uh, is of this bend. Go out and talk, you know, go to a stamp show and talk to the promoter and say, hey, you know, I got a bunch of crap. How much is a table? And you can actually do a stamp show, have a table, put your boxes out and sell them. You know, just, hey, how much? I've been to stamp shows where, uh, you know, somebody will take a table and it's not just stamps. Uh-huh. They, they, I mean, it's kind of like a little garage sale or mm-hmm. a little flea market booth. They have a lot of stamps, but they also have some other stuff. Mm-hmm. They might have some books or some CDs or some movies or uh, knives or, you know, just toys, things like that. Books. And it's 
it's kind of fun to not be looking just at stamps. You walk by and go, oh, that's neat. And, and it actually draws you in to stop and look and see what's there. So uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have more than just stamps. So don't feel don't feel like you have to have enough stamps only for a booth. Oh, it, no. If you don't, just bring some other stuff you want to get rid of and have a mini garage sale there. And also, don't be surprised if you put all your stuff out and some dealer walks up to you and says, How much for everything? How much for your booth? And just <laughs> buys your whole booth from you. Don't be surprised if that happens. It happens quite often. I knew I know a dealer who used to do shows, and he'd do one about every two or three months. And he would price his stuff so ridiculously low that his goal was to sell out of everything and leave the show early because he had nothing left. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily because a dealer came over and bought it all, but he would have, um, and he wouldn't sell single stamps. He would only sell albums or boxes or things like that. And he would come and he might have, you know, three or four dozen lots. Mm -hmm. And once he was sold out, he was sold out and there was no reason for him to stay at the show. Yep. And he was happy. And uh, he, like I said, he'd price his stuff ridiculously low, and invariably he would be gone two, three, four hours before the end of the show. I know, yep. I used to try to do that. Wouldn't always pull it <laughs> off. Being a hoarder is kind of a negative connotation. Uh, a lot of people just like a lot of stamps. And there's nothing about, you know, collecting, you know, like you say, you collect a 1971 and older. Well, the fact that you have 1971 is probably because that's what your book has. But realistically, that's a fault, false limit, 1971. And also you well, collect any limit, A to Z. Any limit you put on your collection is a false limit because yeah. there are so many, there's so many stamps out there. Now, as long as the extra stuff you have is sorted, cataloged, stored, uh, in somewhat of a semblance of an order, um, unless you're renting a storage space to store your extra stamps, mm -hmm. you're probably not a hoarder, but your collection is in order and it's not out of hand. When it starts to take over and you start to say, well, what's the in this pile on my desk? Or, <laughs> you know, if I, if I want to see my desk, I have to dive down five inches. Um, that's when you start to realize you have a problem. So as long as you're not damaging your stamps, you're not doing it wrong. And now for Cash's Corrections. I love that he bobs his head like a chicken. It just cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first, uh, since we're talking about the YouTubes also, let me suggest the best songs of every year from 1840 to 2013. It was a really great video, and you don't realize how a lot of the songs that are really, you know, that you know today were are really old, and they were like number ones of their year. Uh and the Beatles obviously had the most hits, but surprisingly, Al Jolson is really close to the Beatles, too. Uh, the second thing is uh, that we got a, a letter from Tochel Walter, and uh, me and uh, Tom are stealing them, but there were two 2.8 euro Italian stamps made out of cloth. 
and I've seen the stamps before. <laughs> I can't believe you would do that to me. But I've never seen them used. I can't believe you would do that to me. You know I collect those. Oh, uh-huh. okay. You can have mine. So Tom and Scott, you no, gotta have go one. ahead. Got to keep the cover. Uh, yeah. You, you want to part with yours? No, give this cover to Scott. Okay, Scott, you got to give. Yeah, you got to keep it on the cover. Okay. <laughs> that is such a Scott thing. It is neat, too, because when do you ever see them used? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the last thing for me is uh, the Vatican is putting out a stamp to celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. And uh, I just thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> um, from a stamp-worthy standpoint, uh, I think we have um, Japan issuing the uh, Hiroshima Nagasaki Urban Renewal Stamp, mm. right? Celebrating urban renewal. And uh, what else do we have? Uh, For what? I don't know. It's sort of a <laughs> it's sort of an oxymoron stamp, in my opinion. That the Catholic, the Vatican should be celebrating the Protestant Reformation just kind of doesn't make any sense to me. I have one, but it's not safe for radio. Uh oh. Share it anyways. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to take any chance that Kaz won't edit it out. Oh, that, well, okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Okay, I'll share it with you. Uh, okay, yeah, that is one that we're not going to put on. Yeah, we're not putting on. <laughs> See, I told you. <laughs> Don't challenge Tom. He's got a bad mind. <laughs> what was that stamp you saw yesterday? Was it was a Japanese stamp commemorating Pearl Harbor? Oh, that was the semi-postal. Yeah, they put out two semi-postal stamps, one for the uh, conquering of the Philippines and the other one for their successful attack on Pearl Harbor. Celebration. How inappropriate. Yeah. Well, Very inappropriate. Yeah, a couple of years later, I'm sure they not were. Not for like, them. Yeah, well, not for them it is. It was a big uh, victory for them. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I was at Pearl Harbor on December, December 7th one year, and uh, the Japanese delegation there. Uh, Scott can't was, put that cover down. No, he can't. No, I can't. <laughs> was was uh, a very um, uh, emotional and humbling thing to see. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the Vatican uh, talking about the Protestant Reformation. I mean, that only resulted in, what, 225 years of warfare? Give or take. Give or take, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's it for me. It's to send up. It's to send up. We would like to thank the following for information used in this podcast. Wikipedia, and Simon Whistler's Today I Found Out on the YouTubes. Also check out good friend of the show, Tony Mancuso's website, barneysstamps.com, on eBay with Barney spelled with an E-Y, and there are two S's. He sells 19th and 20th century stamps at auction on eBay with many starting as low as $1.99. We also invite you to check out stampfinder.com, the Bloomberg of Philately, with great information on the stamps of the world and their values. Thank you for joining us for episode 115. It is, I have been, mm. I have not, I am there. <laughs> I think I had a stroke or something. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Don. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show here today on Facebook. 
You can ask us questions, see pictures of stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurs, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Hi, this is Bob Prager with Gary Poser Incorporated, and we're in Long Island, New York, in New Jersey, and our philosophy of Gary Poser Incorporated is this. We would rather pay very fair prices on 9 out of 10 collections that we look at versus trying to just offer very low prices on 1 out of 2 and making a big score. That's never our philosophy. So if you want to be treated fairly, please give us a call anytime at 800-323-4279. And again, my name is Bob Prager. Hello, everyone. My name is David Kugel, and I am one of the co-owners of Daniel F. Kelleher Auctions and Kelleher and Rogers Fine Asian Auctions. I would like to present our firm's growing list of services available to you in terms of how to go about selling a stamp collection and the steps one would take to achieve the best results for you. We provide boutique auction services to 100% of the philatelic market. All collectors with collections as little as $5,000 to collections reaching well into seven figures. We sell to more collectors than any other auction firm. Our diverse mailing list of active bidders is the world's largest. This is evidenced by higher prices realized due to collector competition and more underbidders. See for yourself at our website, www.kelleherauctions.com. We are the only American-owned international philatelic auction firm with offices in the United States, United Kingdom, and Hong Kong. We are also the publishers of the Kelleher's Collector's Connection, already one of the premier magazines in philately with a worldwide circulation. Any collector may subscribe without charge. Call, visit our website, or email us now. Let us work for you. The results will speak for themselves. And you can contact us toll-free in the United States at 877-316-2895. We are so delighted to be one of this podcast hosts today and really, really encourage you to enjoy philately, the hobby that allows one to enjoy life and live longer. Winter to send up.